Lots of different kinds of people are in charge of communications projects for their organizations. You might be a fully trained and accredited with a diploma communication specialist, or you just might be Joe or Jane Schmo handed these tasks. You don't really know what to do. One thing is though, is that you know that you want your communications to have a positive effect on your target audience. So today we're gonna to talk about some ways to accomplish that overall goal by looking at WATA, W-A-T-A, an acronym that stands for, well, I'll let my guest tell us. My guest today is Roxy Tomactor. She is a senior internal communication specialist for a large healthcare organization in Long Beach, California. Welcome to the podcast, Roxy. Hi, Derek. Thank you so much for having me and great job on saying WATA! WATA! <laughs> WATA! Let's wake everybody up. And, and that's exactly what I want to share with you today. It's this energizing, quick to remember acronym. And it's something that I've applied in my career in communications for the past 15 years. Well, energizing sounds like a pretty good thing to me. So grab yourselves a cup of coffee, folks and settle back for this episode of Digital Signage Done Right. Thank you, Roxy, for talking to me today, and thank you, all of you, for listening. I remind you that you can subscribe to this podcast. This is Digital Signage Done Right. Whether you're new to digital signage or a seasoned pro, this podcast gives you practical advice about systems, communications, and content to better engage your audience. I'm Derek DeWitt, Communications Specialist for Physics. Welcome to Digital Signage Done Right. So, WATA! WATA is WATA! WATA! Exactly. And it sounds like water. Yeah, it does, like a Bostonian saying, I need some water. WATA sounds a lot like water, and it's quite relative to this quick and easy method that I use every day. So it's an acronym, W-A-T-A. Let's run through it. There are times where I, as a communications professional, and maybe some of you out there go through this, but you go through the everyday movements in your profession, and it's almost hard to take a step back and look at the bigger picture. And as the advisor in communications, I have to bring something to the table. And I can't always research everything before I bring my suggestions because number one, I don't have the time or number two, sometimes you're asked to go into a meeting and you don't even know what to expect. So WATA has been the mantra that I play in my head because these are four elements that I would frame as questions when I go into a meeting. And as a communications professionals, WATA stands for W, who is the message for? A, does it align with the overall goal that we're trying to achieve with this group? T is if I'm being asked to do something, am I building trust with this audience that they're aiming for or breaking it down? Um, and the goal is always to build it. And then the last A in WATA is artistry, because with all the different tools and mediums that were offered today, uh, we have the power to actually create content and deliver it in multiple ways, even if that content is the exact same thing that you're sharing with multiple audiences. So so that in a, in a nutshell, that's what WATA means. It's that, okay, don't forget, if you don't know what you're talking about, go back to the WATA. Who are we talking to? Is aligning with our goals? Are we building trust? Because we should. And how do we deliver this through artistry? So it's nice to have a nice, easy mnemonic in the back of the mind and just go, oh yeah, don't forget that. <laughs> yes, it helps a lot. And I got to shake things up a little bit. So the exclamation point is very, very important to me when you say wata because you got to leave your mark, your communications professional, right? Leave them impressed. 
Yeah, that's for sure. Well, I know that you've you've given talks on this in the past uh, at uh, various events and, and uh, conferences and so on. Uh, among the subtitles have been an energizing approach to communications projects and a practical approach to impactful communications. Impactful, energizing. Like, this is good stuff. It is. Comms people are not boring, man. Like, we, we got to bring the party with us. <laughs> So the who, we'll start off with who. I, I We've mentioned this on this podcast many, many times. Uh, in addition, you have to know who your audience is. Now, I know, like, if say, if you're in a retail setting, obviously the idea is, well, I don't know, our audience is potentially everybody. But that's actually not always the case. Uh, there are certainly certain products and services that are marketed to certain demographics, certain segments, certain income groups. Uh, even certain geographical areas and so on. So you really do have to find out who it is you're trying to reach. How do you do that? Sure. And it goes back to foundations. Um, again, it's always, I, I have a journalist background, so it's asking the questions. The who is basically their general demographics, everything from age, male, female, um, sometimes sexual orientation, um, and knowing those bullet points. But as you dive deeper, it's what interests them. How do they behave? Are there challenges or problems that this demographic is generally trying to address and how can you solve it for them? And the other two questions I would probably ask is how do we reach them best? And what do I want them to gain, do, or even feel with, with this information? So it's so important because this Wata, interestingly enough, didn't get inspired by what I did as a job. It was inspired by my personal life. 10 years ago, my husband and I, we, we were um, newlywed and he started a tradition for the Christmas holiday. That's what we celebrate. And he's, he's a very sentimental guy. And so he said, hey, as husband and wife, we're going to do this one tradition every year. We're going to pick one Christmas gift for each other because that'll be a symbol of what, what we accomplished that year. And it's just going to be a gift that we're going to exchange personally in private, not with the rest of the family. So during the first year, we went into a room and our hands were behind our backs. And um, he went first and he did this whole speech, Derek. He said, you know, this gift is a symbol of the joys and tears that I am excited about as your husband. And I know we're going to be happy. We're going to struggle, but wear this near your heart because it'll be a reminder of my love for you. And he brought out his palms and in it was a Tiffany blue box. And I opened it and it was a sterling silver necklace in the shape of a teardrop. And the three things that I thought about immediately was number one, oh my gosh, this is such an amazing gift. The second thought was, of course, I'm going to do what he said. I'm going to wear it near my heart until I get an upgrade, you know, with other jewelry in the future. And then number three was, holy crap, I cannot believe he got me this because my gift was not to that caliber. In fact, when I um, handed him my gift, it was a brown paper bag. And the two words I told my new husband was, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And he opened it and it was this makeshift. It's one of those, I don't even know how to describe it. It was a lamp that was shaped in the beer bottle. And when you plugged it in, the, the, the beer bottle would float over this cup and there would be like lit water that would go from the beer bottle into this mug. Oh, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's shaped, it's shaped kind of like a beer coming out of a tap into a glass. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And that's that's what I got my husband. And I, I got it from this store called Spencer Gifts. It was in the clearance aisle. It was the, the day before Christmas. And so 
I only share this story is because, you know, the message that he got from me, because gift, gift giving is really symbolic. And so what you give to your audience, whether it's your husband or, you know, a, a, a podcast audience, the, the audience is really sophisticated enough to figure out how much time do you put into this? Number two, what do I do with this? You know, is it valuable or not? And if you don't put thought into it, they walk away thinking like my husband did, what is this? I'm never going to be excited to receive gifts again from my wife. Right. Have I made a mistake? I made a mistake. Exactly. I wasted my time and my money, you know? And so, and so Wata really got me back to that, um, that story because ever since that experience, I, I took all of those elements and say, okay, who am I, who's my husband? What does he like? I studied him, you know, for the, the second year and I gave, I started getting better at gifts and um, it's the same observations and methods that I've um, used in, in my, my demographics, whether through marketing or public relations or internally as a communications professional. So and it's, it's not, it hasn't failed me yet. So <laughs> it's been 15 years. I, I like the fact that this, that this whole sort of, uh, idea structural template for communications arises out of a personal narrative i mean that's kind of a nice thing and maybe when we get to the artistry section we'll talk about that a little bit um so yeah for sure you gotta know who your audience is how do you do it though do you conduct surveys do you just hang around and stare at them like you did your husband or how do you figure how do you figure out who your audience is for me and i've learned over the years it's 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 a combination of different tactics yeah we do surveys but surveys can sometimes skew the authenticity of the demographic because they know it's a survey what i started doing was i for for example when i need to do a human resources survey i have layers of ambassadors you know um so if there's a demographic let's say it's the frontline worker. I figure out who are the influencers in that frontline worker circle. I actually gather all of them and I ask them questions, you know, again, um, tell me about your people. Uh, what interests you? What makes you tick? What do you like to celebrate? What gives you stress? And then based on what their responses are, um, I create this conversation and then we together come up with a solution. And based on those solutions, I use their language and then I pretty much regurgitate what they've given me and create it into content that their audience understands because I can't sit behind my desk and guess how people live. I have to go through the people that actually are are um, part of that circle. So it's it's never a big net now. I have to I have to really um, spend some time and build relationships with these influencers. Right, and I think the word relationship is key there because, like in a relationship, whether it's a romantic relationship or your you know your parents or your kids or your friends or whatever, one of the reasons that those things are so strong is because they're updated so frequently. So you know how it is if you don't see a friend or communicate with a friend uh, but once every five years your communications are mainly just catching up whereas when you're in constant contact and there is this kind of co-evolution as we move through time together um, you don't have to do that you know it's like I, I I know you I know what you want to drink I'm just gonna go buy it for you exactly exactly yeah you got to have allies you can't just do it alone you know and um, that's the beauty of it and it becomes fun after a while you know if you like those people <laughs> if you like those people and if you don't you find people that actually like those people and you work with those people you know so the circle you know it breaks and, and you know you have to be a little bit fluid in how you get your information so all right you know who you're gonna be communicating with Obviously, you know, it's always taken with a grain of salt. Like you always have to be careful about generalizing too much from demographics. You know, like uh, I'm a Gen Xer and yet uh, there are plenty of people out there who are also Gen Xers. But from my perspective, because I was born in 1967, so I'm, I'm an older one. You know, a lot of the younger Gen Xers are 
much more like millennials to my mind, you know. So it's it, there's a lot of you know they're not we're not pigeonholing people too much, but we are using the information we have and the general broad strokes of these categories to yes generalize, but for a purpose, and that purpose is the A, which is to come into alignment with them as much as possible. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And thanks for framing that. It, um, as a comms person, there's this delicate balance because you're aligning to almost two different audiences. It's the the sender and the receiver, right? So many times I've got the executives who are so pumped about this new strategy and how we're going to grow the business. And they're using language that are just, what? Like, you know, what does that mean? You know? So that's a, that's wonderful jargon, Bob. Thank you. Yeah, it, it really is. And like, like, okay, but what's in it? for me, you know, and so it's, it's the whiff of it's, it's not, it's nothing new, but alignment is making sure that you take it and you balance it. What do the executives want to say? Who do they want to pick as their audience and make sure the audience is receiving it in a way that can be heard, you know? Um, and so that is what alignment is. It can't be so way off, you know, from what, what language they use that it's going to fall on deaf ears. And it's not necessarily, uh, it's not like talking down. It's, it's, uh, I've, I've been a language teacher for many, many years and there's a thing you do when you're communicating with non-native speakers called grading your language which is you kind of assess quite quickly is this person a low intermediate are they a beginner are they a more advanced speaker and then you adjust your language appropriately so you know if, if talking to someone i can tell that they're low intermediate in in english skills i'm not going to start using you know super fancy words because it's just what's the point right exactly aside from the language it's the bigger picture you know if it's, i always tie everything back to the goal you know whether you're the ceo of a company or if you are a customer service representative the, the main goal is really to to make this company successful in the role that you play and what you take ownership in. And so you, you got to find that message or that that niche that say, hey, even if you're from different levels, we're all aiming towards the same thing. And and sometimes it just takes that. It's it's painting the bigger strokes and, and the purpose of your role, you know, and how we're coming together. So yeah, alignment is huge, really, really huge. Now, does that, I assume it goes beyond just uh, language and imagery and things like this. Um, I should, I mean, you know, and also I should think another Another element that plays into this part of the acronym would be this concept of localization of communications, which is, yes, part of its language, but it's also like, you know, if you're a, let's say a transnational company and you've got branches in Long Beach and you've got branches in Boston, uh, people in Long Beach don't need to know that it's snowing in Boston. It has no relevance for them. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, and it comes down to, you, you nailed it on the head. It's localization. It's developing in advance a strategy and a plan. If you know your audience already, what is the story that you want your audience to engage with from that demographic or that location? And how do we merge that location with, you know, the next level of the story, which is we're not all players in this story, in this category, which leads up to the bigger picture. And, and most people probably won't go up the stairs, you know, I call it up the stairs where, you know, you probably won't see what the CEO sees every day, but it has to trickle down somehow. So that way you see glimmers of it. And I think that's what communication does is that we sprinkle it, you know, in a timely manner. And that's what the strategy is. It's like, are we deviating from what we're trying to say? Or are we very close to that mainstream, you know, so people can take what they need or observe it from, from afar, but they know exactly where to go and where it is. So really you, you kind of envision the uh, communication specialists, especially for internal communication communications really sort of as the I mean <laughs> I hate to say it the first image that came to mind was spider in a web but um <laughs> 
interesting. But, but to find a more, perhaps a bit more uh, less uh, negative uh, visual, or it, it, kind of a facilitator of a sort, kind of a like we're all here. It's I think what a lot of people imagine human resources is, but it's it's much bigger. You're actually taking all these disparate parts of the organization, different departments, skill sets, priorities, goals, personalities, and you're finding a way so that they can all talk to each other. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's, it's a very hard web to weave. But then again, that's why you have, you know, your allies and you stay close to those who are interested in actually leading and changing, but gravitate towards people. Like I have, uh, I have friends in the IT department and, you know, initially I, I would think IT are the ones that, you know, keep their noses down. They just want to work with systems. But um, once you get to know them as people, you know, I'm like, wait, there's a human side to this. You know, they're they're problem solvers every day. They're not just tinkering on keyboards. And so what language are they, are they using? And I always come in and say, hey, talk to me like I'm a third grader and use that kind of language on me. And so, and you know, if you come in with humility, they're they're more than, you know, happy to school you on, on their world. And that's what people want to do. They just don't talk about themselves anyway. So um, it's not so hard. <laughs> It's not so hard. And now part of this, again, I think they all kind of lead into each other now that we're talking about it in at length. So once you've kind of done all that, already you've got some degree of tea in what to trust from me if I'm if I'm in your target audience cohort, because you're already a speaking my language. And so I'm already inclined to give you the benefit of the, of the doubt at the very least. Absolutely. Yeah. Trust is it's it's not a one time thing, right? It's easy to receive, but it's hard to keep. Mm, and it's very easy. It's hard to recover once you lose it. Yes. 100%. Absolutely. Um, and what I've, I've found now is that if you just own your mistakes, uh, people tend to trust you a lot more. But you have to really start off with where they're from, you know, and that I think that's why I put the SWATA in the order in which it is, because it's the who, um, what are we trying to align and achieve? And then now you got this trust. So, so yeah, you're right, it dovetails into this phase. In fact, there's a thing that I mentioned in my, my presentation, the, my first time for the WATA, and it was during the pandemic, you know, here in the States, we usually sell celebrate high school and college graduations in the summer. And um, I'm sure you're aware that we've we shut down all graduations, all in-person events um, during that time in 2020. And so internally in our organization, we felt this heaviness because we had employees who were getting their master's degrees and worked so hard a few years before. We had employees who had children who were in high school and they were, they were pretty down as well. They couldn't graduate. So based on what we were observing and based on just the feedback that we've been getting from day-to-day conversations with our employees virtually as well as in person, um, there was this heaviness. And so our communications team decided that this was our moment to uplift people's spirits. And we took Wata. We we said, okay, who's our who? It's our employees, specifically those who are missing out on a celebration this year. And our alignment was basically talking about our values as a company, which is making people feel like they're family. And when family's down, you bring them up. So to build trust, we actually reached out to all our employees and say, hey, if you're missing your graduation, we're going to do a virtual one this year. So we decided to ask for photos, names, school colors. And what we did was we did this photo montage of all the graduates. Um, We did the pomp and circumstance and we used the medium of video to put this together. But more than that, we asked for volunteers in the company to say, hey, who wants to actually write a handwritten note to our graduates this year? And we would pair them up with a graduate. And because we were a Hawaiian company that I worked, this is a company I worked for a a couple years ago, lays, flower lays were our thing in the Hawaiian culture. So the handmade 
flower lays in school colors for our graduates. So the graduates saw this video. We texted it out to all employees to go home and share with their families and their graduates. We played it on TV. So we had digital signage all over our floors and our company. And the CEO himself also decided to uh, provide every graduate with an Amazon gift card to give as a, as a gift. And he wrote a note to every single graduate as well saying, um, you know, this is a hard time, but think of it as a, a lesson in your future. Um, and he wrote to 86 of them. There were 86 graduates. And we had a volunteer celebrity. His name is Montel Jordan, who was a friend of one of our comms uh, people. Um, and he, he sings that song, This Is How We Do It, from the 90s. He did the commencement speech and his song was, you know, played uh, throughout the video. And you had the parents of the graduates who were younger, who were like, oh my God, it's Montel Jordan. And you got the kids who are still in high school, like, who's that? You know, so it was, it was like a, it was a melding of everything, but it was the most seen video that we found in analytics that our employees have um, watched over and over again. And um, it was reshared on social media. It helped with our employer branding, like, wow, this is their culture. They actually care for their people. So it spread like wildfire. And it was a team of three, three of us that did this. So that's an example of trust, you know, and since then it's, you know, people would come to us to give us feedback and, and say, what else can we do, you know, to, to help with it. Right. Because, Hey, that thing you did was so awesome. Uh, I think I can talk to you. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Between you and me and the fence post, I, I think that sounds like a lot nicer than putting on a hot black gown and a nasty hat and yeah. <laughs> sitting, sitting, listen, listen to some old person talk about, oh, you're going to be the future. And then, you know, oh, thank you. Thank you. Me and a million other people got a little bit of applause. This sounds, this sounds much nicer, frankly. <laughs> yes, it is. It's much more personalized, you know? Um, yeah. So yeah, it was a good time. And, you know, I always try to find moments to do that. So ce celebration is always one of those things that I feel builds trust the most. You know, how what can I do to celebrate you? Like you mentioned that you had digital signage, for example. You can really, with a medium like that, you can really give out really up-to-date information and you, you can create an environment, a communications environment that is authoritative and reliable. And I would imagine that's another way to build trust sort of the, the left brain version. Yes, 100%. Um, and I think that's the beauty of, of our job as communicators is, you know, how do we, again, find that balance? Because, you know, I've, I've dealt with different personalities where like, wait, that's kind of hoity-toity. You know, we're always celebrating all the time. You're too much of a party person. Like, how can I have you talk strategically? And it goes down to the A, which is artistry. And it's artistry to me in Wata is really how to, how to be that source. For different people. Um, it's it's like water. I mean, Wata sounds like water. And so in a crisis, you have to have that authoritative voice, like a like a tsunami hitting land. You know, as a communicator, you got to get information fast. You got to get to the right people, make sure that it gets people to safety. And so that's like the crisis part of communications where it's urgent and there's no time for play. Um, and you've got the, you know, the slow, steady stream where it's more longitudinal and you, you know, you don't, you, you, you observe it from afar. So, um, you know, with communications, if you're talking about a town hall meeting or a conference, you've got the top to bottom and wherever you are in view of that, um, you can still see it and you know, you're part of it. So it's a slow, steady stream and you're part of that big, that, 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 that flow. So information flows right from top down. And then you've got, um, you know, I'm not sure if you know this, but there's an artist from Japan. Um, he was from the 1800s. His name is Katsushika Hokusai. And he, he created that great wave of Kanagawa. Oh yeah. Famous, famous, famous. Yeah. Very 
very famous. It's, you know, again, that's like the dynamic, urgent, fast moving water. And that's how I say Wata is like a crisis sometimes where you have to work fast. And some, he actually created a series of other water forms. And one of them was waterfall at Mount Kurakami. Um, and again, it's at top to bottom and being taken in as people pass by or stop and read it, for example, and, and watch it. And then number three, he actually created a painting called Fishing by Torchlight. Um, it was inspired by uh, Kai Providence. And the water is a source for fishermen. If there's one thing I want to leave you with the wata, with artistry, sometimes communication is just a source. It's, it teaches others how to fish through learning, through accessibility, um, and just to get to what they need. You know, even if it doesn't hit your audience, it may hit them next time, but uh, but be offer yourself as someone who can provide that source. And, and that builds trust. It allows people to think about alignment and, and the who, you know, come to me if you need help. Yeah, I was going to say the more two-way the communication is obviously the more uh, alignment there's going to be and you'll it's it's another way to gather updated information on who my audience is well i know who these two people are because they communicate with us all the time and they tell us who they are right right put yourself up there you know um front and center and that's all good it's okay to say i don't know too you know i think that's another thing that builds trust it's like i don't know but let me help you find out right that's exactly right instead of i don't know and then that's the end of the topic goodbye it's, i don't know but i will find out how can i let you know and the reason i say that is because you made an interesting comment in there uh, quite early on about what kinds like finding out what communications channels are best for particular people in your audience, meaning what, whether it's email, whether it's digital signs, whether it's uh, tackling them in the hallway. Yes. Yeah. It can be face-to-face. In fact, there's a book. I've actually read it several times and I bought copies for my team um, and it's called the content fuel framework. I'm not sure. Have you heard of it? It's by Melanie Duziel. She's up and coming, especially with um, content marketing. And she, she comes up with at least 11 different types of forms for communication. So it's in graphic video is another form email um, written letters I mean she she goes into different types of examples of you know how to actually take one piece of content and transform it into these different forms right because the, the information content is essentially the same you know it's whatever it's it's you know look 401k sign up ends on the 12th that's the end of that but we can communicate that in all these different ways absolutely um yeah so i i would i would recommend that book it's really it's really good she talks about like you know tools so if you if you if you are a marketer for real estate i mean you have these can afford a home calculators that's a communication tool you know you have people engage with it and yeah i i I use this as a as a um framework a lot but you're right you can use different forms much like water you can be hard you can be soft you can steam it could be steam it could be steamed (laughs) exactly depending on what you're going for uh just note for listeners, make sure to check out the transcript of this episode on the Physics website uh, under resources podcasts, and there will be links in there to some of the things Roxy's talking about, including this book. It all seems very human-centric, if I may. You know, this kind of, this like there's this idea of human-centered design, which you kind of think like, well, duh, who else would it be for? I'm not designing for parakeets. And yet, I think a lot of times, you know, the, the a sort of a concept or an idea gets pushed out there and the human, in this case, the audience, or if it's a building, the people who are going to be utilizing that building or, or you know, a, a how you do bicycle lanes in a city it's for the bicyclists and and that's great that you came up with this whole plan all on your own in a conference room 
But on the ground, it's not actually very effective. And in, in fact, it's dangerous and it doesn't really work for people. So I think that it kind of this kind of way of approaching communications, especially internal communications, it kind of reminds you at every step that it's people talking to people. You know, that's that's really what we're. Yes, I am the spokesperson essentially for the organization. And the organization is this amorphous blob concept. But an organization is people 100% and that's not going anywhere folks like people is always and has been the audience like you said until our machine overlords one day replace us exactly but who are who are building those machines people right so it's still <laughs> that's right <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's funny. Uh, I, I saw something that you'd uh, in some something that you'd given in a presentation once. You also talk about sort of investing in the digital experience as a way to add value to communications projects. What do you mean by that? We all know that communication is no longer writing things down and sending it out. It's all about um, how people share information, and it's it's omni-channel. You know, a digital experience could be scrolling through Netflix and finding the right content, or you know, we still have email, but text messaging, slacks, I mean, but where do people go to and what is easiest for them? And so the digital experience is it's here to stay, you know, especially with remote work that you got to be able to find creative ways to connect with them digitally. If not, you won't be around anymore for the next few decades. I don't think the one beauty of the digital experience is this idea of measurement. How do you know that you you're improving communications? Because it's one of those things where you're like, you don't see it. You know what I mean? You do it every day, but you don't see it. But you know, you can measure behavior through digital experience, you know, when people log on, how long when do they close where do they stop so that's the the one thing that i i love about digital is um you know getting data so you can get better yeah that's true it does it does kind of already have its own sort of uh data sets and, and kpis sort of as just part of the very structure of the medium yes exactly exactly so what who are you talking to how can you align with their interests with the problems that they need solved how can you build trust and what artistry can you bring to the entire communications project to make it energized and energizing and impactful? That's what WATA is all about. And that is what Roxy Tomachner, Senior Internal Communications Specialist, uses as her guiding star as she wanders through the universe of internal communications. Uh, I'd like to thank Roxy for talking to me today. Thank you, Roxy. Uh, I feel energized and uh, I feel like uh, I was impacted. Oh, wonderful. Thank you, Derek. This was such a fun time. And thank you again. I hope people take away what they, they learn from this episode. Uh, for the people who are interested in what Roxy has to say, and she has a lot more to say than just what we've covered here, uh, you can find her on LinkedIn, the social network for business professionals. Uh, and you can find there uh, all sorts of interesting things, uh, links to articles, handouts that she has, and much, much more. Yep. Please connect with me. <laughs> Connect with her on LinkedIn. And thank you once again, everybody, for listening to this episode of Digital Signage Done Right. Hey, want more free stuff? Then head to the resources section of physics.com for free masterclass guides, blogs, videos, and more to help you with your digital signs. Please share, subscribe, and leave a review of this episode and connect with us on social media. 